This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon. Bear down, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded, or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome in to the Take the North podcast presented by Odyssey. I am Dan Wiederer. We are looking forward to taking you on a little Bears analysis journey after the draft here today with a, uh, a special returning guest. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and grab any and all episodes you want to listen to wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also watch all of our episodes in full in their entirety on the 670 The Score YouTube page. So check that out as well. All right, so uh, we are on the exit ramp here from the NFL draft and about to make a right turn and head over to a rookie camp in Lake Forest this week. David Haw is out today, so I am thrilled again to be joined by our friend Herb Howard of the Bigs. Herb, how's it going? Feeling pretty good, feeling pretty good. Now, how are you? I'm good. I, I feel like we've got a lot of ground to cover. You and I have talked recently about sort of the relief and the energy that comes from uh, – having the draft behind you, right? And and turning all the possibility and all the speculation and all the could be, would be, maybe should be into this is what is, right? And now we have what is. We have a 10-man draft class. We have the results of free agency from March and early April. And we now have a Bears roster that we can look at and assess it for 2023. Yeah, I think the Bears have put themselves in a position to do exactly what Ryan Post, you know, boldly proclaimed when he got here, and that's take the North, right? And I think that they, they're they a little bit closer to doing that um, as we sit here now than they were four months ago when they entered free agency and we knew they had the number one pick, and everything that they've done since then has been consistent with their plan now. Uh, we, can, we can debate whether or not, you know, everybody agrees with the plan, it's right or wrong. Only time will tell what's right and what's wrong, 
but it certainly seems that they have a plan that they want to stick to. They aren't willing to, you know, jump outside of it for this reason or for that reason. We saw it with Mike McGlinchey, and they, they kind of set the ceiling on where they were willing to go with that and didn't go any higher. We saw the same thing happen again with the draft. When you look at Jalen Carter, they they, yeah. they didn't feel comfortable enough with the character concerns, and so they went in a different direction. Uh, this is a team in the front office that seems to have a plan for exactly how they want to build this team. They seem to be doing that, and, and, and I, I respect it. I want to get into a little all of that as we kind of, as we said, make this journey from the draft to rookie camp, which will be in Lake Forest this weekend, starting Friday, uh, which will be a good opportunity for us. I know I'm excited to get out there and hear from, you know, the coordinators. We're going to hear from all three coordinators this weekend. We're going to hear from all the position coaches. You start to get a little bit more intel on how Mm -hmm. everyone in the building felt about everything, you know, over an offseason that wasn't just this last weekend in the draft, but really a a monumental stretch of of maximizing what that number one pick turned into, bringing in guys to different parts of your roster and trying to figure out how they fit. We're going to learn a lot, Um, but we'll start with the draft because that's the most recent thing. And I'll say Mm -hmm. that, like, for me, to the point you just made about kind of kind of Ryan's approach and Ryan's um, I guess union to his approach. He's he's very wedded to it and very calm right now. He's been open in expressing kind of the the pressure he felt during the last four months, the anxiety he felt, and all those things. But there is like a a, a sense of. Um, calm confidence to everything he describes. Now, again, you make a good point. Like we'll know three, four years from now, whether everything that he was trying to uh, set out to accomplish was the right way to do things. But I certainly am struck by um, Ryan's ability to, to be calmly confident about what he's trying to get done with this roster. Yeah, he seems very poised. It's kind of like, you know, the ducks on the water. They seem real, real poised. And you know, underneath the surface, he's got to be kicking like hell, right? It, it just yeah. has to be what it is. But he, he, he remains calm. And I think that that calmness comes from a sense of confidence. And that, that confidence just comes from knowing where you want to go and having a legitimate plan, having a real sense of direction for where you want to take this thing. And I remember, you know, just going back two off seasons ago, when they first changed coaching and the, changed the regime, we've heard from some of the Bears' star players, David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, all at some point or another said some variation of not having a sense of direction that previous season, that last season with Matt Nagy, not necessarily knowing what they were going to do. And we were all there. We covered that team every day. Yeah. None of us knew how they wanted to go about winning a game either. And I think that that matters. Not, never, never mind whether or not you can actually do it or not. How do you want to go win the game? I don't think anybody knew that, including players in that locker room. I think now that's that's not the case. The Bears know exactly who they want to be and how they want to get. And it's very, very refreshing to see. Yeah, I mean, it starts with a, a bullseye. You know, you can't play darts without a board. <laughs> you know, and, exactly. on that board, and on that board, you want to go find the bullseye and, and figure out where you're aiming before you start anything. Um, I'll start you here with this because I think, like, you, you, you scale out on Sunday morning and you see the entirety of the 10-man draft class and you can get a feel mm-hmm. for kind of, you know, three offensive players, seven defensive players, a bunch of guys that can help you on teams. And you try to get a feel for, for what was accomplished and maybe what wasn't. I guess when you woke up Sunday morning, what was your kind of gut reaction in terms of what they had put together and, and what kind of holes you still felt were out there? Yeah, I'll start with the holes. I mean, it's it's obviously a, a huge glaring weakness on this team. They still don't have uh, a premier pass rusher. Nobody knows where the edge rush is going to come from on this team. We talk about the different ways that they've gone about addressing that we've heard about, you know, denting the pocket and making yeah. the edge shorter and how guys like Dominique Robinson or Travis Gibson, you know, DeMarcus Walker, all these guys could be able to benefit from that. But at the end of the day, it still remains to be seen. You still need uh, – I don't think anybody can feel extremely confident in what they have in terms of – of, of edge rushes and pass rushes right now. So that's obviously the biggest um, weakness in what 
you know, they still don't have. But what they did do was, again, just consistent with what they've been doing. That's trying to build this team in the trenches. They're trying to build it inside out. They aren't making any huge, you know, splashes in any huge ways. They're just doing solid strategic things. And I thought, you know, doing what they did at, at, at number 10, obviously with Darnell Wright, I think that's going to be a really, really good pick. Everything tells me he's going to be a really good player in this league. And they have to find an absolute difference maker, a perennial Pro Bowl type player. I think he can become that in this league. And then they flip over to the other side of the ball, the two defensive tackles. I think both of those guys are intriguing in terms of the size that they have, uh, some of their traits. You put on the tape and, it's, you know, beg some questions about production and get off, especially with Javon Dexter. For me, I like the kids, but I'm just I got a little bit of I got a little bit of PTSD from from like <laughs> e, from like Ego Ferguson and Will Sutton. Like I believe that those two kids would be, you know, really good defensive tackles playing next to each other in, for the Bears for a long time. And so when I when I see them go, you know, back to back D tackles like that, I think about those two kids. Like, ooh, I hope it's not that. But I think they did some really really good things. I think they're a better team, you know, this weekend than they were last weekend. I think they're a better team certainly than they were four months ago. The longer you're on this beat, the more that sort of see it to believe it urge starts to <laughs> starts to kick in, you know, and, and then it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And you don't fall for just the brochure. You know, you're right. like, all right, all right, cool brochure. Now take me to this place and let me see if it looks like it does on, it. This, on this glossy thing that you just handed out on draft weekend. We pled with them to to try to build the trenches this offseason. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone mm-hmm. was a little bit um, I don't I don't want to say unimpressed, but but lacking a little bit for what they did in free agency. And then we get to the draft and they use three of their first four picks on days one and two on guys that play offensive or defensive line. So they made a move in that direction. Now, to your point, it's got to be the right guys. It can't just be a defensive lineman. It's got to be a defensive lineman who starts for you, whether that's Javon Dexter, whether that's Zach Pickens, maybe it's seventh rounder Travis Bell, who surprises everyone and becomes your next sort of sleeper that, that that emerges as a a, a real contributor. You've got to find that, but to, to, to go into the draft with purpose and then to do it on night one with, with a SEC starting tackle with a lot of experience, a lot of size, a lot of nasty to them, answered all their questions in the pre-draft process, including the the now well-documented workout that he right. went through for Chris Morgan and, and Ryan Poles. Um, you had something there, but I wanted to start there also because you and I talked before the draft about the potential of that decision and the dilemma of having Jalen Carter on the board for you at number nine and what you would do. And I know you were kind of in the the thought process of let's roll the dice. Let's get a three tech that has all world potential and see what we can turn them into. Ryan and and the crew up there in in, uh, Lake Forest obviously had a different vision for what Jalen Carter's flaws were. I'm just Mm -hmm. curious on, on Thursday night as, as that reality materialized, what's going through your head there as the first eight picks play out. And then you say bears on the clock, one of the best available up there is Jalen Carter. Yeah, when the Bears are sitting there at nine and he's there, my first thought was Ryan Poe is a genius. Like <laughs> he's he's done everything that he wanted to do throughout this entire pre-draft process. And he's, you know, he hasn't solved this three-tech issue, but here is his guy sitting right here at nine. After he moves back, after he does all these things, he's sitting there at nine and there's this guy. And I'm like, he's a genius. And I was I was about ready to type this thing out. Like, and then they like, well. He's traded back. And I was like, he doesn't want that kid. And it's like, it's like, like he doesn't want that kid, especially when you saw it was the Eagles. Like, well, they're definitely going to take him. That's, you know, the the, the Georgia Eagles up there. So yeah. um, it was a little bit surprising. But then when you understand that they've gotten, they've got, they're always gathered all this information, right? On the field, off the field. They've seen him at his pro day. They've seen him at combine. They've had him at Hallis Hall. They've done everything. They've done all their work. And now that tells them, we aren't comfortable bringing this kid into our program right now. And so you just got to respect it. I think they were able to 
I don't know if it's a pivot because they seem like this was their they were on this track for some for quite some time in terms of Darnell Wright. But I think they they certainly made it an excellent pick. And I don't think the two things they don't think they have to be mutually exclusive, right? Two things can be true, right? You can like um you can like Jalen Carter like I did and still recognize that Darnell Wright was an excellent, excellent pick for the Bears. I think both of those things can be true, but I think you also factor in I think these these, these this pick is going to be tied to Jalen Jalen Carter for quite some time, whether Ryan no Post doubt. likes it or not. That being said, though, I think you have to understand that even if he goes to Philly and he's all world and has the type of career that many people believe he can have, that doesn't mean that would have happened in Chicago, right? They have a different infrastructure there. He's walking into a different room there. It's a completely different situation that the Philadelphia Eagles have than do the Chicago Bears. And so I think that, you know, as fans kind of watch his career develop and, and, and you know, naturally compare him to what's going on here, uh, you got to understand that that's a different locker room. He's walking into a situation with veterans like Fletcher Cox and, and Brandon Graham on his defensive line, and they're going to be able to kind of insulate him better than this young Bears locker room would. So you got to factor all those things in. And at the end of the day, I think Brian Poles and his staff made a phenomenal, phenomenal selection with Darnell Wright. He's going to yeah. have to prove him. Well, and as David always says, look like, you know, it, it's not uh, the, the general managers are in different positions in their career. Howie Roseman's got a, a Lombardi trophy in his building that he brought in there. He was in the Super Bowl last year. Uh, he's got a little bit more margin for error with the roster he currently has assembled. Right. If this pick doesn't work out, whereas if the Bears crashed and burned with this, we'd be going, man, we knew those risks going into the draft. They still took them. And now they set their program back two or three years because they missed on a, a round one pick. Now, all of this is contingent on Darnell Wright being who everyone describes him to be, which is a mauling offensive tackle that is an immediate week one starter for you that should be a week one starter for you in 2030, if we're being honest about this, right? <laughs> Going into his eighth season, he should be locked over he there. He should get two contracts for sure. Right, right, right. And becomes that difference maker there. And so, you know, that, that one is there. You also mentioned the the lack of edge rush. And, and I think that's one that will, you know, I, I, I did take note that when Ryan was asked late Saturday night by Mark Potash, you know, are you comfortable – going into camp with this as your pass rushing stable. And he just said, camp is a long way away, right? There's months yet before the Bears have to check in for training camp in Lake Forest. And so they've got an opportunity to find different vehicles and avenues to address this position. So we can be harder on them in August than we are in May. But I think everyone acknowledges that, oh boy, if you're just talking about Travis Gibson, Dominique Robinson, and Demarcus Walker as your edge rushers, yikes. You know, like yeah. defensively, yeah. you need to find some teeth. Yeah, that, that 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 begs a lot. So I think, you know, you, you you start to look at first the the remaining free agent market, what kind of veterans are out there that will come in and fit in here well. I think the Bears still have, you know, 36, 37 million dollars, something like that. So they'll be able to, you know, still, you know, get back in that market if that if they choose to. But let's face it, they weren't going to fill all of their holes in this offseason. They just weren't. And so whether whether they had found the edge rushing and then they didn't have a right tackle or they had found, you know, this, that, and third, and they didn't have a number one wide receiver, something was still going to be missing, you know, at the end of this entire process from 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 January. And so they've been able to find a number one receiver. They've got their right tackle. They've got some pieces to add to the to the interior of that defensive line. Something wasn't going to happen. They've got more depth in, in the secondary. Something was not going to happen. They, they overhauled the linebacker position. 
And, and you know, edge rush just remains that thing that just did not happen. And so they go into this, this, this you know, last wave of free agency, if you will, looking to find some veterans, veterans. And then you also just kind of look forward to next year where the Bears got two first-round picks as well. And so this wasn't a team that was one offseason away from contending for a Super Bowl. They weren't going to solve all of their issues. They solved a lot of them. And, and they still have some swings at this edge thing before the season starts. In 2022, we used that whole analogy of the home improvement project that Ryan was mm-hmm. going through with this roster. And, and so you say, look, you're not going to be able to get it all done in one year, like you said. But like my thing now is, OK, there's this giant hole in the drywall over here. OK, you don't have to fix it right away, but let's at least get a dresser to move in front of it. Right. Temporarily, right. <laughs> until, we can, until we can go plaster that up when we have time up the road and do it. So now I think, you know, like you can get a Band-Aid here. You can get a one year fix that doesn't Absolutely. you know hamstring it for the the long term and that's now the next step on the to-do list for the bears is to figure out who that is they did that on the offensive side of the ball the last two years right we talked about riley reef and jason peters right, right. They, they tried to do that you know two years in a row on the offensive side of the ball it worked out much better with jason peters than it did with riley reef but they they understand what that looks like and then i think you'll see something similar on the other side of the ball this year yeah, so we'll figure out who we're going to nickname the dresser as they slide him in front of that hole in the drywall. The dresser, I love it. I love it. <laughs> just, just- hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Justin Fields is obviously at the epicenter of every Bears discussion we have for the foreseeable future. And I spent some time Monday just kind of like wrapping my brain around what it looks like around him now, because we, we, we've, we've beat the drum for get Justin help, get Justin help. Let's remove all excuses, get Justin help. You look at the offensive line now with what they did in free agency in the draft. You look at the weaponry wide receiver, running back tight end and and the upgrades they've made there. And all of a sudden you say, okay, this looks different. Is it better? I don't know. So my question to you here is if I give you three choices here, offensive line and weaponry, do you feel confident? Do you feel comfortable? Or do you just feel more comfortable than I was when they last played a game in January? (laughs) I would say cautiously optimistic. I know that wasn't one of the choices. Uh, (laughs) Somewhere between comfortable and confident is is where I would come in. Right around two and a half, I would say, um, is is, is where I would come in. I'm I'm comfortable with it in terms of have they – you know, addressed all these issues. Have they brought in some some things to eliminate some of the excuses from Justin Fields? I know in sports we don't like to use excuses and sometimes just the reality, just the fact of the matter. You can call it a reason if you want to, if you like that word better, but you got to get rid of some of the reasons why he hasn't been able to reach his ceiling. We know what those have been in the past in terms of, you know, not getting a whole lot of reps his rookie year in terms of uh, uh, training camp, then being thrown into the fire like that coming around another year, learning a new system, not a lot of elite talent outside or up front. Now that's not the case. You brought him in, you got him a legitimate number one receiver. Anytime you kick a position group down from the top, that improves that whole entire group. So that improves Mooney, that improves Claypool. You got the tight ends you want. I think they can run a 
pretty nice two tight end package right there with Cole and Tunyon. Uh, and then you, you, spout, you spend a top 10 pick on hopefully your right tackle for the next decade. And so that's starting to come together as well. And as you do that, you just start to eliminate, you know, all these different excuses that were legitimate for Justin Fields. And now you should be able to have a, a true evaluation of him and, and be confident in whatever decision you make at the end of this year to pick up that fifth year contract option or not. It just it just feels more solid. Whereas we were looking at this like flimsiness for a while, and now you're just like, okay, this this feels more solid. Now let's see what they do with it. I know like Luke Getzey at the Senior Bowl in January in Mobile was kind of asked about you know crossing that bridge, trying to figure out what the vision for the offense was going to be in 2023, and his answer was basically like, I have no idea because I don't know who my players are. You know, and right. now they've ad- they've added all these guys. You've got a right tackle, you've got a guard in Nate Davis, you've got a couple receivers. DJ Moore slots in as your as your number one. You got some running backs now where there's going to be competition in that room. And now, you know, Luke's basically got a month plus with, with rookie camp and OTAs and into mini camp yeah. to try to get a feel. Push this like, thing together. How does it click, right? And who belongs where? And how do I bring the most out of this particular group? Because I, I appreciate his way of going about it and saying, like, this isn't my system. This is a system tailored around the, the skill sets that we have and the way that guys are, are best functional. And so now that's a, a really fun process for us to watch, you know, live and in person, those few chances we get here over the next month plus. Yeah, it's a huge test for him as, as, as an OC, right? He's a young OC as a guy who, if he gets this offense turned around and, and really going, he's going to be on a short list of head coaching candidates, right? And so can he kind of tailor his scheme week in and week out to what his players do well and not just be one of those stubborn head coaches and say, here's my system, here's how it works, go do that, whether that fits their skill set or not. He's got a lot of different pieces. He should be able to move them around the board strategically and find ways to, to make some big plays. What if Chase Claypool is really good, Dan? Like, what if, what if Chase Claypool is really good? It's certainly a wonderful, wonderful hypothetical to consider if you're the Bears, because if you were able to hit on that now, all of a sudden you got something. But that, that's like a perfect segue, because I think like that room to me right now is the proof of nobody is being promised or given anything. The Bears used a, a high draft pick, ended up being number 32 overall, to trade for Chase Claypool last November, they used a third round pick on Valus Jones in the draft a year ago. And all of a sudden they're putting these guys out there on the field in May of 2023 and saying, you better earn your keep around here. You know, there's nothing promised you. Your your role is not promised. We went out and traded for another receiver in DJ Moore. We went out and drafted another receiver in Tyler Scott, who by the way, brings a lot of the same traits that Valus Jones brought to the table in terms of speed and like, okay, we've got a guy that can unlock this thing with just burners. You know, and so now it's okay. Let let's bring competition into this room. Let's let it sort itself out with the the you know to the victor goes the spoils, right? And and so now I think that room is always one of the ones I love watching and and monitoring even more so now because there's so much um, flux in in what the range of possibilities are. Chase Claypool could be really good. Chase Claypool could be terrible and be out the door, you know, on January 10th next year. And we're going, oh, God, that was a a total bust. And you've got that with Valus. You've got that with Tyler Scott. You've got that, you know, you're trying to figure out what does Darnell Mooney's future look like? How does he come back from the season-ending ankle injury from a year ago? And when does he come back? Questions that all need to be answered. That room has got fascinating plot lines from here to Halloween, for sure. Yeah, and I think I think it'll continue to fluctuate. You'll see, you know, we'll, we'll obviously we're gonna get out there this weekend at Ricky Minicamp. You're gonna see Tyler Scott run around the field like, who I can feel that speed. He's gonna have on his shorts and t-shirt. You're gonna like what you see there, and then you're gonna get you know deeper in veteran minicamp, and all these things will start to start to happen. And then maybe you start to like Chase Claypool more in 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 the pads and things like that, and gets down in the red zone. And so I think 
it'll continue to fluctuate as this process goes. But I, it's a much better situation than they were in last year. You came into this thing, you say, okay, you got Darnell Mooney, and then you got this cluster of guys, any of whom could be your number two receiver or your number six receiver. It's like, right. what's going on here? And I think now you've got certainly some more um, competent guys that you believe in or you feel a little bit more comfortable about going into the season with them. And so uh, I like where that room is. You let those guys go out there. You got you got six guys at the top of that thing from from DJ Moore to Mooney and Claypool and EQ and, and Tyler and, and Valus. And you let them all go out there and then you see where see what happens. And who else may be, um, you know, making name for themselves during camp. So we'll, we'll see. It's a it's a it's a room has got talent. This room has got some versatility is what I like. And we'll see how the, the Bears choose to deploy them. Tyke Tolbert's one of those guys, the receivers coach up at Hallis Hall, who gives it to you straight. And so when we get a chance to talk mm-hmm. to him this weekend, I think there's going to be some really good direct questions that will hopefully pr- provide some direct answers to some of what we talk about. Right down the road in, in the running backs room, you now got some competition there because you went out and signed Deontay Foreman in free agency to, to replace David Montgomery. You already had Khalil Herbert here. You got Travis Homer as kind of your special teams guy. Uh, sure. You know, Kari Blasingame is going to eat up a roster spot most likely as your fullback. And then you add Roshan Johnson, a guy who I have never heard in my entire time covering the league, you know, Saturday afternoon praise for a fourth round pick like the Bears gave out for this kid and his intangibles and his potential and his future. That room to me is also one where you go, how does this shake out by the time we get to, to opening day? A lot of running backs in there, you know, not a lot of carries to be had. But I think, again, it's indicative of who the Bears want to be. They want to let you know we want to be able to run the football. Right. And then if you can run the football, everything we just talked about with that last group opens up that much more. And so uh, they've got a lot of guys who are who are tough, hard nosed runners and talk about Deontay Foreman. We know about Khalil Herbert's ability to to make guys miss. Um, you bring in Roshan Johnson and I'm with you. I. I've never seen such effusive praise for, you know, a, a, a career college backup, a fourth round pick. And it's like, this guy is it. And it's like, is he? Okay. Like you, you almost get, you almost, you almost get swept up into the hype yourself. And it's like, okay, well, let's just, let's just wait a minute and see. But if he is, you're talking about a guy who may eventually become a starter for you as, as a fourth round back. And that's certainly something the bears have done, you know, in the past, going back to, you know, Jordan Howard and whatnot. But um, I think that, that's a room that has some versatility. We haven't even talked about Tresh and Everett. Everybody's like, forget about him. He's right. done, right? Like, he came in last year with, with some traits that were intriguing that people thought they liked in terms of being able to catch the ball in the backfield and being dynamic with the ball in his hands. Didn't really have a huge productive, you know, rookie season. But I think that's a kid that still has a lot of talent in him. He's going to factor into this conversation as well. So you got a lot of guys in that room that are going to be competing from this, for some spots. And I think anytime you get yourself in a position where you end up cutting some good players, that's yeah. where you want to be. I don't know if the Bears have been there with any particular position group for quite some time. Yeah, that competition is there. If you had to pick out one guy out of this 10-man draft class that, that you're just most interested in following, it doesn't have to be a great player, it doesn't have to be a day one guy, day two guy. Like, Is there just a guy that you're like, man, that guy's going to be on my radar and I really want to watch that dude go? I'm, I'm very intrigued by Tyler Scott. I just, I just, just watching him play. He's very fluid. His ability to, to, to make plays with the ball in his hands. Now, he's a a lot of his tape, he's, he's body catching. I really want to see him get those get those hands out there and catch with his hands. But he's dynamic with the ball in his hands. He's a guy who can get out to the open field and nobody's catching him from behind. And so he's a guy who, you, again, you come in, you kind of look at that room and you say, well, did, did they need another receiver? Like, maybe. Why not, right? That who's who's so proven that you can't challenge him? And, you know, I think he's a guy who's going to come in and work and, and seems to have the intangibles. And I'm intrigued just by, you know, what – his potential could be how soon could he become a factor for this team? And if he's ready to go, 
uh, in the preseason. I think he's the guy that can make some splashes for you and, and ultimately help this team this year. I'm with you on that one, and I've got him starred. And 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 you know, you just have this kid that that played running back pretty much all through high school, from eight years old through high school, and then makes a transition to receiver and kind of climbs the stair steps at Cincinnati, mm-hmm. and 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 you know, is, is a role player, special teams guy first, then kind of a role playing receiver on that team that surprised everyone and went thirteen and zero and got themselves in the playoff, right. and all of a sudden, right. all of a sudden, you're the go to guy, you know, and and you work your way up into the confidence. I'm like, I belong here. You know, and now it's his opportunity here at this stop to figure out what's there. The other guy I'll give you is, is Travis Bell, the seventh rounder out of Kennesaw State. Just because yeah. of the way Ryan Poles spoke about him on Saturday night, called him one of his favorite human beings, said they had him in for a top 30 visit uh, in the month leading up to the draft and that 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 Travis didn't want to go home and Ryan didn't want to let him go home. That's how how tight their, their bond became in such a short time. And so there's obviously this feeling here that, that, that there's something to tap into here uh, with the drive, the motor, the work ethic i would be stunned if travis bell didn't at least have a locker stall as a practice squad guy when we walked Mm -hmm. into the regular season with the way the gm Mm -hmm. feels about him and so then young man it's your opportunity right like to to take this golden opportunity to take this connection that you have with this general manager and then turn it into something can be really interested to kind of learn about his journey and and figure out what he does with it yeah for the very same reasons you don't take a Jalen carter is one of the reasons that you feel good about travis bell you know and, and his opportunity he comes into a locker room that isn't already established at his position doesn't have any of these pro bowl all pro type performers ahead of him there's an opportunity for you here kid the gm has told everybody listening that he loves you and what you bring uh to that locker room and i think that matters the bears really are focused on having good people in that locker room that being said i thought they had i thought they had a bunch of great people in that locker room last year i liked all those kids they just really good dudes it didn't turn into wins right so at at some point you got to find good dudes that can ball and so hopefully um these good dudes can ball i like it's wonderful that roshan is is the best teammate that Bijan's ever had it's wonderful that travis bell is the best person that ryan's ever met all that's wonderful right can can we ball and so i think that'll that'll help in terms of setting the culture and all those things and having a good locker room but at the end of the day you got to get in between those white lines and produce yeah, no, it's a valid point. Good guys who can ball. We got to start marketing that. And look, like Travis Bell's a guy, you know, like last last May 4th, you know, we weren't sitting here talking about, oh, I bet you Braxton Jones is going to start every game at left tackle. And then no, all of a sudden no. you get to it and you're like, whoa, that was the surprise. You know, fifth round pick out of Southern Utah ends up being your your surprise story. And maybe it's Travis Bell, maybe it's someone else. And let me pause you parenthetically right there, Dan, because, I, uh, again, Flus reminded us that this coaching staff, how willing they are to play young players and how willing they are to put them in there and let them learn on the job. And to your point about Braxton Jones, we were all surprised, but we were surprised because we didn't believe what we had saw from the spring. Right? They they brought him in there and gave him Tevin's job immediately. Like we thought that was going to be Tevin. They were like, nope, you're in front of him. And then they brought in Riley Reeves. Like, nope, you're still in front of him. And the whole time <laughs> we're watching this thing, he's getting all these reps. We're like, nah, they're just kind of moving pieces around. Nah, they aren't going to start the the rookie, you know, pick from 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 Southern Utah. That's not going to happen. To hell it ain't. Right? Seventeen <laughs> stars later, that's exactly what he did. And so. Uh, you know, it, that could that could certainly pan out for some of these other guys this year too. He he handled it right, and he, and that, that's something that impresses this staff is your ability to handle it, and it is a lot. You know, there's a lot that goes into being a pro, preparing, getting yourself ready, understanding that there's going to be some downs amid the ups, and if you can you know sturdy yourself and anchor in when those downs hit, you can have something. All right, let's transition a little bit before we get out of here because I wanted to talk about the schedule because the schedule will be released. We have intel from Adam Schefter that Thursday, May 11th, is now the date. We're inside of a week when we get actual dates and times with the opponents mm-hmm. that the Bears mm-hmm. are going to be. Uh, first things first, there was a report out of Germany on Thursday morning that the Bears were going to be the team playing the Chiefs 
in Frankfurt, either in week 10 or 11, November 12th or November 19th. Since that report came out, we have gotten some chatter that that may not be 100% true. We're still yeah. waiting to figure it out. I don't know why these things have to be so mysterious. Like, let's just say it if it is or it isn't. There's Chiefs Frankfurt. I'll start looking at flights to Germany, you know, figure out which direction I need to go. But that one's out there. Um, the preseason schedule will also come out next week. And it's my understanding, yeah. Herb, that you know Ryan Poles told us in Arizona that he, he wants to do crossover practices and that the crossover practices will likely be elsewhere, not at House Hall this summer. It's my understanding that there's uh, some chatter in the works for Indianapolis. <laughs> Obviously, Ryan knows Chris Ballard well from their time in Kansas City. Matt Eberflus knows Indianapolis well from his time there. Uh, obviously, some people on the staff here would know it. So th- th- don't be surprised if within the next week to 10 days, we start hearing about the legitimate solidification of the Bears doing some crossover practices with the Colts in August, which would be a fun little learning experience. Yeah, it'll be fun. You talk about the familiarity of the of the coaching staff and the people in those buildings. You talk about getting a chance to, you know, get a look at Anthony Richardson and what that may look like at its at its early stages. And so I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. Obviously, it's close. They always want to stay close as, as close as possible. And so that makes a whole lot of sense uh, in terms of link, linking up with the Colts. As far as the season goes, I'm, I'm excited to see what, how that schedule pans out. And I think it makes a whole lot of sense for the Bears and the Chiefs to play in Germany. I mean, the Chiefs <laughs> just helped, just hosted the draft. And so you had all those different picks being announced from all the different places around the world. So now they're familiar with Kansas City. They're obviously a Super Bowl champs and Patrick Mahomes. And the Bears, you know, record being what it is, they have one of the largest markets and most loyal fan bases there is. And so uh, it makes a whole lot of sense. It's going to be uh, a lot of eyes on that game if it is Bears Chiefs over there. So to, to me, that makes a whole lot of sense for the NFL to go in that direction. But once you know, it, it just gives you an opportunity to kind of start piecing this thing together. It's another yeah. little step in the journey. And then now we can go from our draft projections to our record projections and say, oh, they're definitely going to win this game, definitely going to lose that game. And then that'll be a fun exercise, too. Here's why it doesn't make sense, because Kansas City is an awesome road city to go to as a, uh, a beat writer. And if we've got to forfeit that for, barbecue. for another eight years, right, to go to Germany, <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, we're giving up something really, really good there. Can't we play the Browns over in Germany? Right, play the Browns. Skip, skip another trip to Cleveland. You know what I mean. I mean, that, that's, what it, that's what the other part about the, the crossover practices. Those are a, a beat writer's best friend because you break up the grind and the monotony of camp mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in August by going to see, you know, different competition in a different environment. So I'm certainly looking forward to see how that materializes. All right, before we get out of here, we've got, I'm going to give you the, the list of road games and home, ga- home games. We'll start on the road, which includes the Chiefs, whether that's in the United States or, or overseas in Europe, the Chargers, the Saints, the Bucks, the Commanders, the Browns, and obviously all three NFC North opponents. What on that list of the road games jumps out to you first? Good weather cities, man. That's, that's <laughs> what. Like, that's that's what. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a good time for us. But no, um, I think the 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 quarterback comparisons that you're gonna be able to to get. You talk about going to to play against Justin Herbert. Obviously, you talk about Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. It's gonna be um, a lot of good tests for Justin Fields in in terms of uh, him making that ascent up the 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 quarterback ladder. Um, and I think that this is his time to be able to do that to say, hey, I am absolutely in lead quarterback in this league and there are there are lots of good quarterbacks and you got to be able to set yourself set yourself apart from those guys and he'll get an opportunity to play against some of those guys on the road i think uh it'll provide the bears some opportunities to, to just see where they are against some against some pretty good quarterbacks but i am I'm not gonna lie to you this i always start to look at the what cities we're going to like, what's the <laughs> weather like can we get can we get away and can we put those teams later in the season can we can we can we like 
front load the home schedule for the I know we're like, oh, let's bring those teams in here later on in the season when it's cold and we can run the ball. Blah, blah, blah. That's fine. Get me out of here. Let, let's go to L.A. later. L.A. and Florida, right? Like, let, let's roll down there. I'll even take New Orleans in December if we have to do that. But look, Ab- Kansas, absolutely. Kansas City, L.A., New Orleans, Tampa. Like, there, there's there's some things here that, uh, you know, we won't only be looking forward to Sundays on those weekends, right? Saturday nights will be a, a good time. Saturday well. nights will be a good time on the beat. The other road game that I'll throw in there that I'm just going to circle is, is the trip to Lambeau Field without Aaron Rodgers. Like, I have mm-hmm. no idea what that looks like. I have no idea where the Packers will be and where that game will fall on the schedule. But, like, they have walked into that building every time that they've played the Bears when I've been on the beat with this feeling like we own you, right? Like, and Aaron says it out loud. And to be able to walk in there and go, do you? You know, like, it's going to be a different feeling, you know? Like, okay, let's see what you think you have in Jordan Love, who, by the way, you know, you weren't so confident in that you you, you exercised the fifth-year option on the guy. So that'll be fun, too. Yeah, I'm, listen, he can't be, right? Like, Jordan Love can't be a future Hall of Famer, right? Like, he, no. he can't be. Like, be. I'm betting no. I'm betting, I'm betting no, too. One. I'm betting no, too. But after watching Brett Favre do what Brett Favre did for so long, I would have bet that the next guy wouldn't have been as good and the next guy was better. Like, like it's it's – he can't be. I'm just gonna say it. he he can't be. They're gonna come in fourth. They're done, and 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 it's over now, right? I think that that has to be what you're thinking, right? Yes, and welcome to our world. Right now, you're going to enter the carousel of quarterbacks for 15 years, potentially welcome. This is how most of the NFL lives. You are not magic. You had magic for 30 years. Welcome. Welcome to this existence. It'll be fascinating to see how they handle that. By generations way, of Packer fans who just can't even fathom they can't. not having a first ballot Hall of Famer they in the can't. Senate. They have no <laughs> idea what's coming for them. And and yeah, that's my vote on Jordan Love. All right. So the home schedule, division games, obviously. Falcons, Panthers, Broncos, Raiders, Cardinals. I'll start on this one because the visit from the Carolina Panthers, number one pick Bryce Young selected with the raffle ticket that the bears gave to the uh, the panthers in that trade justin versus bryce like let's put this later in the year so that we've got both uh, an opportunity for both guys to kind of hit their stride and figure out where they're going that one for me like let's go let's go to soldier field maybe put it in prime time no why not listen they they, they made the biggest splash in the offseason those two teams did it so let's go ahead and find out they got the number one pick they got the quarterback out of bama obviously a huge year for justin let's go ahead and see i think that factored into you know not the schedule per se but the the, the carolina panthers being where they are in their process factored into who they were going to make that trade with i know we always talk about you know dj moore was the piece they had to have and i'm sure he was but i'm sure he also factored in which one of these teams that's calling about this pick probably won't be good next year Right, because that pick, that pick next year could be huge. That could be a top five pick again. You know, another top five pick for them. And so, I think he factored that into the situation as well. And so, it'll be very, very intriguing to see, you know, where they are and what they look like when the Carolina Panthers come in here. I think Ryan Poles would be as as excited about that one as any other. Well, we walked into January also with Bryce Young, and we said, okay, like the the, the concerns about Bryce Young are obvious. They're on the surface. Size is a problem. He's not all that tall, but more concerning is is just kind of his build and how how slight mm-hmm. he is for a mm-hmm. game at the next level with freak athletes and giant gentlemen coming coming to not be gentlemen with you. And then you got it deeper into the draft process, and you're like, surely they're going to find another flaw in Bryce Young. And you got deeper, and you're like, surely they're going to find another. And then you got to draft week, and everyone's like, nope, the only flaw he has is that he's not built. You know, if he was 6'3 and 225, he would be far and away a generational prospect. And you go, Mm -hmm. oh, crap. 
You know, what, what if he's able to make up for this slight build and this lack of size with next level talent? Now, all of a sudden, we've got a conversation in Chicago that, that gets a little bit more interesting. And the Did we make I got the right decision? It, I was like, <laughs> I, 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 they didn't find anything else. Like, they literally didn't find anything else on the guy other than that he, you know, weighs a buck 95 and 204 at the combine after he ate, like, you know, four plates of pasta the night before so he could get on that scale and tip it a little bit. Yeah, I think every time you talk about, you know, guys coming in and the only thing that you can knock on them is their diminutive size, you got he didn't get small yesterday. He's been small his whole life. You know what I mean? He that's not a new problem for him. That's new for us evaluating him. But he's always, you know, had to look over offensive linemen or try to find passing lanes to throw through. He's always had to take hits from bigger guys. Now, obviously not at the NFL level. There's some mean, nasty dudes coming and they're gonna lay on top of you. But He's he's always taken hits from guys that were bigger than he was, certainly. And so so far throughout his career, he's been able to not only navigate that, but he's been able to dominate the highest levels. And so uh, I'm betting that he'll be able to adjust and play well here, too. Now, hopefully he's not better than Justin because that'll just that'll mess up the whole entire thing. Right. Um, uh, but but in terms of his ability to just be a, a good quarterback in this league and, and be somebody that was worthy of the number one pick, I don't doubt that at all. All right, so next week at this time, we'll actually have dates and times for all these games that we're looking forward to. You're going to be on your uh, airline booking site. We're going to be looking for, you know, where are we going, when? Where are we going? When are we going to Germany? <laughs> yeah, exactly. i got to make sure my passport is renewed. I don't know where that's at. I'll dig around in here and figure out if I need that this year. But it uh, should be fun. And it's been, uh, it's been fun kind of sounding this out and figuring out where we go. Anything else on your mind before we uh, before we get out of the car and head to rookie minicamp? No, I'm just looking forward to seeing these guys get out on the grass, see how they move around, to get a chance to feel their speed, feel their size, get a chance to look them in their eyes, see what type of kids they are, what type of energy and charisma they bring or not. And so I'm just, I'm just interested to, to really lay eyes on these kids for the first time in terms of on the grass. And so uh, that's exciting and looking forward to it. I'm sure they're all going to impress. We're gonna, all going to walk away like, yo, that kid's really fast. That kid's really big. Um, but that's what that's what that's what they're supposed to do. And so just get them acclimated, get them in the building. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting this thing started. And at rookie minicamp, you're always conditioned yourself for terrible quarterback play. So we'll be bucking uh, for that as well. That. <laughs> <laughs> that's Herb Howard. I'm Dan Weeder. Always an enjoyable discussion. Thanks for joining us, Herb. We'll catch you all next time.